Coming up on this week in Linux, we saw some new releases from GIMP, Fail to Ban, Audacious, Voyager Linux, and many more. Ubuntu has reached feature freeze. We'll talk about the latest changes before the freeze. Cubzilla has chosen the new name of the browser. Updates from System76 on Pop! OS, as well as some news on some Linux hardware. Then we'll check out this week's Linux gaming news, which there is a surprising amount of it that may require like a rapid-fire approach. All that and more on today's episode of This Week in Linux. I'm Michael Tanella of Tux Digital with your weekly source of Linux canoes. If you haven't heard yet, we're doing an experimental live stream show after the release of This Week in Linux. This live stream is open to anyone who'd like to participate in a discussion with me about the news items covered in today's episode. If you're interested in joining me, the stream will start at 1 p.m. Eastern each Sunday after the main show release. And all you have to do is join the Tux Digital Discord server by going to tuxdigital.com slash discord. That's tuxdigital.com slash discord. To start off this episode, we got to say happy birthday to Linux, the kernel itself, because on August 25th was the announcement from Linux uh, that he's working on a new kernel operating system. But I'm not going to sing for this one because there's some debate as to whether that date is the birthday or September 17th is the birthday because September 17th was the first source release for Linux. And also some people think that the 1.0 release should be considered the birthday, which was March 14th. But there is three-year gap between, well, roughly three-year gap between the announcement and the, the source code release to the first 1.0 release. So anyway, uh, unfortunately, Grandmaster Torvalds has not confirmed what he considers to be the birthday of Linux. But what he has confirmed is that the release for the final Linux 4.13 kernel is planned to be on September 3rd, 2017. Cubzilla has announced that they have decided on what the new name for the browser will be, which is Falcon. I'm not sure if they're going to call it KDE Falcon or just Falcon. I think it's the latter, but at first I was kind of iffy on the name, but it's since grown on me. I like how they use the K naming scheme in a non-annoying way because it's kind of subtle. So it's there, but doesn't really change the way you pronounce the word or anything. So that's kind of cool. If you, you might be wondering if this is going to replace Conqueror in the KDE stack. It appears as so that is the case. The inclusion of Cubzilla or Falcon in the KDE project was proposed by the former maintainer of Conqueror at Academy 2017 for that purpose of replacing Conqueror. GIMP 2.9.6 was released this week with experimental multi-threading support, which is very cool because the one of the issues with GIMP is that it's kind of a slow application, but multi-threading using multiple cores will make it a much more uh, resilient and efficient application. The multi-threading is going to be on by support in this release, but this is a development branch build, so that kind of makes sense. If you aren't comfortable using experimental features, then you know don't use a development or beta build of software. The application called Stacer, which is sort of like a combination of CCleaner and perhaps like a system monitor, has been rewritten in C++, which means it's dropping Electron, which is a really good thing for a system monitor or application like this because it's kind of 
weird that it was using Electron in the first place. But this is a really good thing because it's going to, as reported by the developer, supposedly says it, it consumes 10 times less resources than the Electron version. What's interesting is that it somehow retained the responsive design that they did in the Electron version. And on top of that, they also retained the publishing of Stacer through an app image. So that's really cool. Audacious 3.9 is released this week with the QT interface enhancements, such as the ability to improve the customizations of controlling where, what menus are displaying and also being able to use different columns and playlists that you previously couldn't. They also improved the search tool and now support automatic switching between tracks. If you're wondering why I'm talking about just a cute version instead of the other interfaces that they use, which is they have GTK2 and GTA3 versions, it's because that the, the cute version as it matures, there's discussion to drop the GTK2 and GTK3 versions completely. So at this point, it's likely that the cute version is the only one that's going to stay around. Speaking of music players, well, actually, I didn't point out that Audacious is a music player, but it is. So speaking of music players, Mellow Player, which is a cross-platform cute cloud music app, was released. And if you haven't heard of it, it's a, it's a cloud service media player. It supports Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, YouTube, MixCloud, and a few more. What's really cool about it is that, of course, these things can be just ran in a browser if you want to. But it also has desktop notifications built in for track changing and stuff like that. It has support for Ubuntu sound menu in the Raven sidebar, thanks to the uh, MPRIS support. I'm not sure if you're supposed to say Impress or not, but anyway. Media key support is now support is, is, is in this as well. System tray applet support, and a really cool feature called Listening History Panel, which keeps track of all the, the things you listen to that, if, like, say, if you just let it run by itself, and auto load the next song, but then you like a couple songs previously, you can go back and check it. So that's pretty awesome. Now there are some caveats. Unfortunately, some of these services require the Qt Web Engine to, library to have proprietary plugins installed, or enabled really, which has to be done on the at the compile stage. And other services like Spotify require the Widevine plugin from Google Chrome, but it's not really clear how you integrate like things like Widevine and their standard releases, which because they, they release everything as an app image, which is really cool, but also kind of a problem if some of the services don't work. There is a bug report on their GitHub page that says they are working on support for at least the Spotify issue. I'm not sure if they're talking about working on the Qt Web Engine support as well, but at least there's some progress on that front. Finally, in app news this week, Fail to Ban 0.10 was released. Finally. Their words, not mine. If you're not aware of what Fail to Ban is, it's a server application that allows you to ban hosts that cause multiple authentication errors. It scans log files like var slash log slash auth dot log and bans IP addresses having too many failed attempts to log in. It does this by updating system firewall rules to reject new connections from those IP addresses for a configurable amount of time, like forever or just a certain amount of time if you want. This new version, 0.10, has support for IPv6. It's improved the speed and efficiency and is more secure, as a developer says. 
There's also a lot of other features that probably deserve its own video rather than going into detail in this episode. Up first in distro news this week, System76 announced some updates for Pop! OS. Not using Wayland by default is probably the biggest thing that they announced. They say that they are doing not they're not doing Wayland instead using X because there are concerns around unsupported applications and confusion to users when these Wayland related issues arise. Which I would tend to agree that's that could be a big problem. Hopefully that's not as as big as they fear because the default for Ubuntu 17.10 is going to be Wayland, so we'll see what happens there. They also announced that they're going to be using mostly GNOME defaults, except they're going to be using Mozilla Firefox for their browser and Elementary OS's App Center instead of the Software Center from, from GNOME. They also confirmed that they will not be shipping the GNOME Tweak Tool, so that'll be interesting to see what the uh, response from the community about that will be. Fairly recently, Red Hat announced that they were going to be not using ButterFS anymore and are going to be using their in-house Stratus project. Or Stratus. I'm not sure. I think Stratus. Anyway, this kind of created this weird response from the community of asking if ButterFS is doomed because Red Hat is not going to be using it or supporting it anymore. SUSE responded to the claim, to these questions saying that they are committed to ButterFS file system. SUSE is committed to the ButterFS as the default file system for SUSE Linux Enterprise and beyond, as a quote from one of the executives of SUSE. What's really interesting is that Red Hat wasn't really a big contributor to ButterFS in the first place, so people wondering if ButterFS is doomed because of this is kind of an odd thing to happen. And SUSE kind of recognized that and pointed out that SUSE is the biggest contributor to ButterFS, so it really shouldn't be a big issue if one of the lower contributors are not going to be contributing anymore when the main contributor is still the main contributor, which I would tend to agree with that. So I intended to go into this tangent about how Red Hat has this weird thing in the community where people freak out over things that they're doing that are not really that important, but when they're doing things that are weird, people don't tend to freak out at all. Whereas when some companies do things, they're ignored whether it's good or bad, and other companies do things that are good for the community overall and just get a ton of hate for it. It's, it's just an interesting and weird situation that the community has for these companies. I was going to go into this tangent, but then I did, and I it, came, it turned out to be like five to six minutes by itself. So I decided I'm just going to cut that out and do it in the live stream. So if you're curious about my rant for that particular topic, be sure to tune into the live stream. Or if you miss the live stream, that's all right, because it'll be edited and put onto YouTube as its own separate show. And if you're not interested in that part, you should still check out the video or the live stream anyway and just you know fast forward through that or you know whatever next up in distro news yola announced selfish x which does not mean 10 it means x named for the sony xperia x which seems to be exclusive for the sony xperia x which is a phone that's soon to be released by sony for around 300 350 dollars and then you pay $50 or 50 euros and about $70, $75 for Selfish X to be put onto the Sony Xperia X. 
But Sony Xperia S does not come with self HX. It's a separate thing you have to flash onto the device. Yet if you do, you won't have working Bluetooth or fingerprint reader or a few other things. So what are you doing, Yola? This is, well, I mean, this is weird, but never mind. Like, if, now that I think about it, Yola has a track record of doing some weird, sketchy things. Like, for example, I'll, I'll just give one example and I'll move on. But Yola had a crowdfunding campaign a little while back where they were doing a tablet. It was funded, but they underestimated how much money they needed and spent a lot of money that eventually didn't provide a tablet. Like, it, it, it just failed. Like, the campaign was successful, but the effort failed. And unfortunately, most people didn't get their money back. Now, eventually, they did issue refunds partially. So, like, half of the money to everyone who, refund, who like, backed it is just gone. So, I, I don't really have much faith in Yola as a company, and this is not helping. Next up, Google rolls out Chrome Enterprise, which is like Chrome OS for work. Chrome Enterprise is going to cost companies $50 per device per year. And with that, you get 24-7 enterprise support and Microsoft Active Directory support, which is interesting because I'm not really sure how they would do that. But it brings up a question to whether or not this Chrome OS Enterprise thing has the G Suite included or not. Because the G Suite costs $5 per user per month, or in this case it would be like per device per month. So if you got the G Suite or Google Apps for Business or whatever they're calling it now, I don't know, because they change it so often. They've changed it like four or five times. If you get that as well, it would be cheaper for doing this Chrome Enterprise approach than it would be just to sign up for the G Suite. So this could be really interesting to see what happens with the enterprise world and Chrome OS. I mean, you can't install any actual applications, but maybe people in the enterprise don't need that. I don't know. We'll see. Voyager Linux 16.04.3 was released, which is based on Zubuntu 16.04.3. And Voyager is an interesting distro because it has a philosophy that I don't know if, how many people would agree with this, but the as this is translated from French, so this probably isn't that accurate as far as like exactly what he was saying. But there's a quote that says from the developer of Voyager: "The philosophy of Voyager from the beginning is not to present or offer a type of options corresponding to a type of person, but rather to offer a wide range of options for different people who would not have the same practice." then each one has to remove or leave what suits him according to his world of environment desired. I mean, this is kind of an interesting thing because you're like providing a ton of options, but a lot of people don't want that. I mean, a, a huge amount of people don't want that. They just want it to be working and then just get out of their way. And that's kind of one of the reasons why people use XFCE and Zubuntu. So you're taking something and kind of like tweaking it in a weird approach. Now, for example, like there there's some things that are installed that aren't that big a deal that they're installed, like uh Conky 
weird, but you know, it's fine. It kind of gives some cool features. GIMP, not everybody needs GIMP. Uh, PitTV, not everybody needs video editing. Uh, Clementine makes sense because music player is a really good music player. Uh, Deja Dupe, everybody does need backup, so that's good. Uh, Cupfer is a really cool launcher, uh, which you're not sure it's a it's a like Synapse or Gnome Do or K Runner. It's like a application launcher, but a lot of things really. But then you get a situation where Parole Media Player, SM Tube, Kodi Media Center, and MPV are all installed at the same time. Like, why do you need all of these things by default? It's just a weird approach. So, uh, Voyager is an interesting distro. But I'm curious what the community and what the audience of this particular podcast uh, thinks of that idea. Because I, I could be wrong. So, let me know. And finally, in distro news this week, the Canonical Corner, or Ubuntu stuff. Ubuntu 17.10 enters Feature Freeze, but before the freeze happened, there was a lot of cool, interesting updates that happened. For example, Captive Portal support was improved. And if you're not what a Captive Portal is, it's like when you go to an, a hotel or an airport, and before you can do anything, a little pop-up says you got to log into this ridiculous website thing to prove that you're okay to use it. It's, it's whatever. They're, they're terrible. They're annoying. But sometimes they don't show up. They don't pop up and tell you that they're there. So you have no idea that they're even there. But this support allows it to automatically pop up when it detects the connection to their system and detecting that they have a captive portal. Also, they updated Blue Z to 5.46 for Bluetooth support. And they added uh, QPDF 7.0 and CUPS filters 1.17.0. This will actually bring driverless printing to IPB everywhere. Apple AirPrint, and Wi-Fi Direct devices to Ubuntu Artful. Pretty much any printer that supports printing from your phone should now work as a plug-and-play device in Artful. Also, Ubuntu 17.10 will support indicator applets, or app indicators. To quote the Ubuntu desktop team, given how many third-party apps make use of or rely on indicator applets by default, this surely has to be a feature in the default install. I completely agree with that decision, it's kind of interesting that they're not using something like Top Icons and instead are making their own extension. But that's the same thing with the Dash to Dock thing they're doing where they're making a light fork of something else in order to make it more reliable and be able to be supported with their their systems. Now the thing that makes this really important that they're doing this is Gnome announced that they are killing System Tray altogether in GNOME Shell. Here's a quote from the GNOME team. The legacy tray introduced as a part of the notification redesign in 3.16 was meant as a stopgap solution to encourage applications to move away from the concept of status icons. But it hasn't really done anything except for getting in the way. Given that the large majority of apps that still make use of the status icons work perfectly fine without them, we decided that it is time to drop this unloved bit of UI altogether. Now, they don't point out the fact that the unloved UI is their opinion and not the global scope of the community, which pretty much uses status icons or system tray a lot, considering 
top icons is one of the most popular extensions as a GNOME Shell user. So thankfully, the ridiculously terrible decision that GNOME did is being compensated by Canonical and the Ubuntu team by providing actual support for the system tray and top icons. So that's a good thing. Now, to be fair, GNOME do acknowledge that there are extensions that can give you this type, this top icon thing, but the fact that they don't like it and therefore they remove it is kind of ridiculous. And But also, to be fair, their little tray, little slide-out tray that's at the bottom left of the shell was already incredibly awful. So I, maybe they're removing it. Oh, maybe... Maybe the unbit, the unloved bit is your ridiculously terrible slide-out tray at the bottom left because everyone hated it. Maybe it's not the system tray itself that is unloved, but that stupid, awful tray that you did that no one likes because it's just, you know, the exact opposite corner of where it should be. Anyway, let's talk about some hardware. First up in Linux hardware is Librem 5. GNU slash Linux Floss Smartphone. The Purism team is running a crowdfunding campaign right now to crowdfund a smartphone made for specifically for Linux, like real Linux, not just Android. This phone is going to be using GNU slash Linux PureOS, which is a derivative of Debian that Purism makes. It's not going to be completely exactly open source, like 100% Floss or whatever because the mobile baseband is an issue that probably is going to have some ROM loaded in the firmware. Or, well, yeah. But it will have a Floss kernel driver, so that's cool. Purism is also partnering with an open-source communications project called Matrix.org to enable end-to-end -end encryption, decentralized communication in the dialer and messaging app. So you might be thinking, what's the specs? Well, the specs haven't been confirmed yet, and they probably won't be confirmed until after the campaign is over. But so far, what we know is that it's going to have a 5-inch touchscreen. It will have some kind of 3-gigabyte DDR3 RAM. It's going to have 32 gigs of eMMC storage and a micro SD slot for extended storage. You might be thinking, is it possible for Purism to see where Canonical failed? Well, I have no idea. But I can say their approach is much different because instead of trying to build an OS for a plethora of phones, Purism approaches to build a phone to run on a, run an OS. If Purism creates a partnership with Plasma Mobile and a partnership with Holium, I'd be very interested in trying this out. Unfortunately, that won't be anytime soon as Purism planned to ship the phone in January 2019. I'm still interested and I hope it gets backed and it works out and is exactly what they want because I, I am very much interested. Purism has run campaigns before. For example, the Librem laptop that had some issues in the beginning but seemingly, supposedly, is better now. So hopefully they learn from their previous crowdfunding campaign and this one is going to be much, much smoother. Also in Linux hardware news... Introware have announced the Zeus Ultra Mobile Linux laptop, which comes with 15.6 matte LED IPS display, a Core i7-7700HQ, 8 gigs of DDR4 RAM, 
NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1070 and a pretty hefty price tag of 1,524 pounds. Finally, Nimbusoft announced that they're shipping laptops and desktop PCs with Ubuntu Budgie. Nimbusoft offers a variety of laptops and all-in-one PCs, and while Ubuntu Budgie isn't an exclusive offering, they also offer Ubuntu, Ubuntu Mate, and Kubuntu with, as pre-installed options. They are making specific section devoted to Ubuntu Budgie as a front-runner or a flagship distro to be shipped with their products. Finally, this week is Linux gaming news, and there's a lot of it, which is good for gamers like myself and others, uh, and also bad for people like myself who have to make these recordings for all of this news. But anyway, it's it's good. I'm not complaining. Keep it coming. I'm just... Anyway. First up is F1 2017. Feral Interactive asked for feedback on F1 2017 very recently, and now a somewhat of a leak has happened showing that a Linux version of the game is in the Steam database. So it looks like it's happening, and they were just kind of trying to get a, a feel for it. Also this week, Ryan Iculus Gordon is looking for new games to port to Linux, and pay is not required. If you're not aware, Ryan is also known as Iculus, who's been a Linux game porter developer for well over a decade, and has brought a lot of games to Linux. So, you know, good on you, man. Anyway... Ryan is funded by the Linux gaming community as a whole via Patreon, which of course is awesome. And he's just looking for feedback and ideas about what kind of games that the community wants. And the fact that he's using the Patreon money to fund the development is just, it's amazing. Like, the the, the times we're living. This week, The Escapist 2 was announced with Day 1 Linux support. And... The Escapist 2 is a 2D pixel graphics based prison escape game with multiplayer. I mean, that's really all you gotta say. This week, Bioshock Infinite was put on sale for 75% off. If you have not played this game, you need to take this opportunity, pause the show right now, go get it, because it's only got a few, it's like a day left to get it, so go get it, and then enjoy. Well, actually, come back, listen to the show, and then enjoy. So the way to, it's hard to describe the game if you've never seen Bioshock before, but Bioshock Infinite is a really cool, like, steampunk, first-person shooter-type game. And what's really awesome about it is that if you ever played a game where you have to escort someone to, you know, some random place, and the AI is incredibly stupid, and you just hate every second of it because you have to, like, go back and pick them up, and, like, blah, blah, blah. This is the opposite of that. This is a story about escorting someone, and the character that you're escorting is is actually useful and helpful in the game. The character will give you, like, will actually throw you weapons during the gameplay and will help fight with you. And, and overall, she's just awesome. So, anyway, you should totally play this game. It is fantastic. Alien Isolation is in the Humble Spooky Horror Bundle this week along with three other games that support Linux, including Layers of Fear, Dead Age, and Dreadout. And uh, there's a honorable mention for Day by Dead by Daylight, because it's in the bundle, but it's only Windows only, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because it has some really impressive reviews, and it looks pretty cool. So if you have like a Windows 
partition or something. Moving on. In the intro, I mentioned we're going to do like a rapid fire thing, and that starts now. So the first game for the rapid fire is Voxel Turf. It's like a it's a voxel based sandbox with GTA elements and base building. You can think of it like Minecraft meets Grand Theft Auto, which is awesome. Anyway, then there's shotgun farmers where you grow your own weapons for a first person shooter game. City Skylines has Green Cities expansion announced and it sounds great. Solar Gun is a first-person puzzler, has similarities between uh, Valve's Portal, and finally Astro Kill is now in beta on Steam. Astro Kill is a modern space shooter, drawing inspiration from old-school games like Tie Fighter. They actually promised the game was coming a little over a week ago, and now Steam has a beta build for it. So the developer is, is also even giving away beta keys to people who request them. So if you're interested, check that out and check the show notes for a link to. Ask them out for that. Well, actually, finally, HTC Vive has dropped in price. So if you didn't want to spend the $800 to buy an HTC Vive, you can now spend $600, You know, which is still a pretty big amount of money to get a VR headset, but it's less money, and that's important. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please hit that like button and be sure to subscribe for more Linux good news. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash tuxdigital, or you can order the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt. The concept of the design has tux blended into the background to convey the message. Even if you aren't aware that Linux is there, it probably is. The shirt is available for shipping from North America and from Europe. Oh, and I should probably mention the design is also available as a long sleeve t-shirt, a hoodie, a sticker, and I'm thinking about making a mug for it as well. Would you be interested in a mug with the Linux is Everywhere design? If so, please let me know in the comments. Thanks for watching. I'm Michael Zanel with Tux Digital, and as always, keep using, learning, and enjoying Linux.